This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome to Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly report from the Michigan Democratic Party. I'm Lavora Barnes, and the word this week, cleanup. That's been a big part of the work for both the Biden administration and the state legislature, cleaning up messes left behind by the Trump administration and a Republican state legislature that had turned a blind eye to many of the needs of Michigan families. The Trump administration left behind an economy that was in shambles and a constitutional crisis at a level not seen since the Civil War. On the day Joe Biden took office, unemployment was 6.3%. Under the Biden administration, unemployment has plunged to 3.6%, with the creation of a record 13.2 million jobs, including 800,000 manufacturing jobs. The last two years of Trump budget added nearly $6 trillion to the national debt by combining massive tax cuts for the wealthy with a record-studding spending. President Biden brought both parties together around a bipartisan budget agreement that protected our country's ability to pay its bills and reduces deficits by nearly $1 trillion. Morgan Stanley is crediting Biden's economic policies with driving an unexpected surge in the U.S. economy so significant they made a sizable upward revision to its estimates for GDP. The CEO of U.S. Steel said Biden's Inflation Reduction Act is spurring manufacturers to return to the U.S. in droves, calling these policies, quote, the most amazing thing we've seen in the United States for a very long time, end quote. Now President Biden has to battle with a GOP House that seems intent on crashing the economy with threats to default on the national debt and to shut down government. The right-wing crazy caucus says it will hold our economy hostage to get their way, even if they represent a small minority of Americans. Those threats have resulted in the U.S. credit rating being lowered. Most importantly, a democracy tottered on the brink as President Trump did everything he could to subvert the will of the voters, including multiple alleged criminal actions for which he will stand trial in federal court. In Michigan, our legislature has restored a pro-family, pro-worker agenda after decades of Republican-led legislatures that tilted the scales towards the wealthy. And now our legislature is working to make up for years of GOP neglect on the most important issue faith in humanity climate change. Although the solutions require the cooperation of every nation, there's a lot one state can do as part of protecting the planet. In a moment, we'll be joined by a legislator leading the way on protecting our pleasant peninsulas and our planet, Grand Rapids Representative Rachel Hood. But first, an update on some of the other stories on politics and policies we're following this week with our own Dorian Tyatt. I'm Dorian Tyus. Here are some of the stories on politics and policy we're following this week. The Biden economic recovery continues. Total non-farm payroll employment rose by 187,000 in July, and the unemployment rate dropped to 3.5%. Job gains occurred in healthcare, social assistance, financial activities, and wholesale trade. This is the 31st consecutive month of increased jobs under the Biden administration. Michigan's seasonally adjusted jobless rate decreased by one-tenth of a percentage point to 3.6% during June, according to data released during the week by the Department of Technology, Management, and Budget. Total employment increased by 26,000 
while unemployment edged down by 3,000, resulting in a labor force gain of 23,000 over the month. A new Emerson College polling survey of Michigan voters finds President Joe Biden with a 43% job approval, while half of voters disapprove of the job he is doing in the Oval Office. Governor Gretchen Whitmer has a 49% job approval, while 43% disapprove of the job she is doing as governor. A hypothetical 2024 presidential matchup between President Biden and former President Trump is statistically even. Each candidate receives 44%. 8% would vote for someone else, and 5% are undecided. In the 2024 Democratic primary, 65% of Democratic primary voters plan to support Biden for the Democratic nomination, while 11% support Robert Kennedy Jr. and 5% support Marianne Williamson. 61% of Republican primary voters plan to support former President Donald Trump for the 2024 nomination, followed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at 13% and 7% supporting former Vice President Mike Pence. The Board of State Canvassers has rejected proposed recall petitions against six Democratic and one Republican state lawmaker after citing numerous concerns about the petition, including lack of clarity, lack of information about who is coordinating the efforts, and illegible handwriting. Only one recall petition was approved against State Representative Cam Cavett, Republican from Sheboygan, while the other recall petitions cited only each lawmaker's vote on a numbered bill with no explanation of what the bill was about. The Cavett petition cited his vote on the election of the House Speaker. Former State Rep. Dare Rendon and Attorney Matthew DiPerno are facing criminal charges for their alleged role in a pro-Trump plot to illegally access voting machines following the 2020 presidential election. Rendon and DiPerno were arraigned Tuesday morning and released on personal bonds after arrest by Michigan State Police. Also charged was Stephanie Lambert Juntilla, a pro-Trump attorney who challenged 2020 election results across the country. A federal judge in Grand Rapids has dismissed a lawsuit that sought to decertify the November 2020 election results, Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel announced. The case was filed in September 2022 and sought to prevent the destruction of any records related to the 2020 presidential election along with the decertification of that election and the conducting of a new election and to prevent the use of allegedly uncertified voting equipment in the November 2022 election. The court earlier denied the plaintiff's request for an injunction, following that the dismissal. Governor Gretchen Whitmer has signed a balanced bipartisan general government state budget for fiscal year 2024 to grow the economy, lower costs, deliver on kitchen table issues, and help anyone make it in Michigan. The new budget, when combined with the education budget previously signed by the governor, lowers costs on health care, preschool, meals for kids, higher education, housing, and workforce training. Additionally, the fiscal year 2024 budget will help fix bridges, replace lead pipes, and protect public safety. Governor Whitmer, in signing the legislation, said, quote, the Make It in Michigan budget builds on our economic momentum and will help us build a brighter future for everyone who calls this great state home. 
Governor Whitmer has signed into law legislation requiring all public school districts and charter schools, as well as intermediate school districts, to provide age-appropriate material explaining what constitutes sexual assault and harassment to 6th through 12th graders. The material must also include explanations of consent, defined as an agreement to participate in sexual activities, and let students know that sexual violence is not the victim's fault. The information must also list resources available to survivors and the actions they can take. For more information on these and other stories, go to our website, partyonthepeninsula.com. From Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyus. Thank you, Dorian. This has been the summer that climate scientists warned us about. Climate change is creating catastrophes across the planet. Flooding, wildfires, life-threatening heat waves, deadly storms, and signs of a record-smashing hurricane season. A report Saturday in the New York Times says national Republicans plan to reverse the Biden administration's efforts to combat climate change. According to the story, a sweeping plan called Project 2025 calls for shredding regulations to curb greenhouse gas pollutions from cars, oil and gas well, and power plants, dismantling almost every clean energy program in the federal government and boosting the production of fossil fuels the burning of which is the chief cause of planetary warming. Democrats in Michigan say just the opposite. We need positive action. But can state government contribute to a solution? Grand Rapids State Representative Rachel Hood says yes. Representative Hood has spent her career developing, financing, and implementing innovative urban investment, water protection, and energy conservation solutions. As a lifelong advocate for the environment, she spent a decade as the executive director of West Michigan Environmental Action Council. While there, she helped form Grand Rapids Stormwater Asset Management Strategies, developed a watershed education program to serve West Michigan students, and spearheaded innovative clean energy policy and programs. Representative Hood also served as a strategist for Dig Deep Research, which helped municipalities find and secure millions in funding for water and energy infrastructure projects. She talked with our Walt Sorg about the steps the legislature is taking to protect our planets. Representative Hood, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you with us. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the invite. To start off, I'd like to read you a little bit of an introduction from a story I read recently on, in the Washington Post. Last month previewed life on a more extreme planet. In Vermont, a single storm dropped two months of rain in 48 hours. Fires raged like a blowtorch across the Mediterranean. The waters off South Florida, driven by global sea surface temperatures, experiencing two decades worth of warming in a single year, reached a blistering 101 degrees Fahrenheit. And in the Phoenix metro area, millions sweltered under temperatures at or above 110 for more than four weeks. We've got a problem. Is there something that we can be doing at the state level to contribute towards a solution, or is this just too big for us to even think about? Well, Walt, I appreciate your question, and I appreciate uh, all of the work that you do to track what is happening across the globe with increasing intensity and frequency. We are seeing climate impacts, um, and we're feeling them right here in Michigan uh, it is unprecedented that we would uh, suffer from poor air quality for days as a result of fires in Canada. But I think 
uh, well, that happened twice, maybe more <laughs> over the summer. And it is a wake up call for all of us. Yes, absolutely. There are things the state can and should and is doing to make sure that we play our part in reducing our climate contributions and uh, find ways to mitigate climate impacts and prepare our communities for climate resiliency into the future. The impact of the climate change has been a lot more subtle in Michigan and in the Great Lakes region than it has in other parts of the country. We're not having these horrific 110-degree days, and we're not having hurricanes, and et cetera, et cetera. Does this situation here make it more difficult for you politically to get some serious action taken by our legislature? I do think that Michigan suffers from lack of action at the legislative uh, level on climate change. And in addition to that, um, you know, some of the the failure to invest in cities over years, invest in uh, education, invest in quality of life, uh, invest in our energy grid and infrastructure, all of those things roll up to, uh, to climate in the end. Uh, the more that we invest in our infrastructure, the more resilient we are. Um, we are now turning a corner for the first time in 40 years. Democrats have a trifecta. We are able to take significant action and move forward swiftly. In addition to that, our efforts are buoyed by significant federal investments. I call these, you know, once in a century investments in infrastructure and uh, in climate resiliency. But we are experiencing severe impacts. I mean, our grid is failing to support families, failing to deliver energy across the state. And we see people experiencing disruptions in energy that can last for days. Uh, and they have severe economic losses as a result of that. And obviously, se severe quality of life impacts um, from that. We experienced days of uh, smoke and air quality impacts. And uh, we can't ignore how significant that is, especially in Detroit, where we're layering on um, multiple sources of air pollution that uh, can significantly harm people. And then we see disruption to transportation when we have uh, significant rainstorms, uh, when our uh, highway system floods and a myriad of other impacts uh, on in our coastal communities uh, as water levels change and as water temperatures change. So I, I do think that uh, it's getting more real here in Michigan. Um, I shouldn't shouldn't fail to mention the the crops that are disrupted by unpredictable weather, particularly our fruit crops in the Lower Peninsula in particular. Uh, crops have become m much more dependable and that has severe economic impacts on people and families and farms. All of these things are adding up and I think people in Michigan are awakening to a new reality that uh, while we are somewhat insulated by climate, we will not be able to duck and avoid the impacts of climate change, that they are, in fact, quite real for us. 
let's talk the realities of working in a legislature that is very narrowly divided, uh, very small majorities for Democrats in both chambers. What can you do in the immediate future? What are your priorities for this upcoming session? Yeah, well, we have made some significant investments through the budget process already that I'd like to highlight. We have invested $43 million to enhance the electric grid and reduce power outages, uh, over $10 million to provide community energy upgrades, including investing in community solar and undergrounding power lines. $30 $30 million for renewable-ready communities, $20 million for EGLE to work on air quality improvements in environmental justice communities. Uh, we are investing an enormous amount of money in uh, clean fleet uh, school buses that are clean fleets, $125 million, um, $70 million to expand clean transportation options for others across the state. So looking at transit and high-speed rail. These investments are significant, uh, once in a generation, once in a century, opportunity to uh, make a down payment on Michigan's future in the 21st century and signal to business leaders across the country who are leading the charge on energy innovation and uh, clean energy pursuits for a better climate future, that Michigan is ready to partner with them and that we are here ready with skilled workers uh, to be able to uh, be part of uh, the green economy and to be a leader in the green economy. Then in terms of legislation, uh, Representative Roth and I have uh, two community solar bills um, that would call on the Michigan Public Service Commission to create a clear pathway towards the implementation of community solar across the state, uh, making it easier to accomplish those goals. We also have the Clean Energy Future Plan, and the community solar bills are part of this. Uh, This is a package with Rep. Coffia, who calls to establish a renewable portfolio standard of 60% by 2030 and a target of 100% carbon-free energy by 2035. It calls on the utilities to include distributed generation programs and make those accessible to low-income communities and communities of color. Rep. Pahatsky has a bill to allow the Michigan Public Service Commission to uh, look at environmental justice factors and affordability and equity in decision-making and requiring utilities to abide by those decisions. And Representative Ayash uh, has a bill that updates and expands the energy waste reduction standards for utilities, updates the timeline for for meeting standards and measuring cost savings and prioritizing low-income communities to benefit from energy efficiency programming. We already had a public hearing on them uh, before summer, and we expect to continue the discussion this fall. The governor has called for climate to be a priority as we move into uh, the remaining parts of the session and particularly this fall. So I'm very excited to be taking up these bills and moving Michigan forward with my colleagues. Before we wrap up, one question about the people on the front lines of our transition 
to a electric vehicle fleet. Certainly the automakers, the manufacturers are totally on board with this, but there are concerns about displaced auto workers because fewer are needed to build a, an electric car than to build a gas powered vehicle. And also it's a change in technologies. New skills are needed. What assurances can you provide to those folks working on the assembly lines that they in fact will be a part of this future? Well, we have been working really closely with our union partners to make sure that uh, individuals are are prepared and ready for this transition. I think the EV transition is not going to be immediate, and it's important to understand that you know people are still going to continue to buy ICE vehicles. You know, when we look at economic projections, we see a near-term future where we would be ambitious to get to a 50-50 mix between electric vehicles and um, traditional ICE vehicles. So um, I think that uh, some of the fears need to be taken seriously, but um, this isn't a moment to panic. This will be a smooth transition and one that honors workers upskills workers, and make sure that we are ready for the future. Representative Rachel Hood from Grand Rapids, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And thank you for an update on how Michigan can contribute to saving the planet. It was really wonderful to talk to you. And thank you for covering this issue. I appreciate you very much. Be well. That's our report for this week. Great thanks to Representative Rachel Hood for her tireless work on behalf of the planet and her leadership on climate issues within the legislature. Help spread the word of how Michigan Democrats are moving Michigan forward. Share the podcast with like-minded friends and neighbors. I'm LaVora Barnes. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Party on the Peninsula is as a production of the Michigan Democratic Party.